It's funny, as you were sort of going through that list, I was thinking of a, um, about five or ten years ago, I was looking at a, I was, I was at Newtown Mission, I was looking at, 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 at other jobs. <laughs> Not that I did it much, but I was, just, I was just looking at other places. I'd been to America and I just had this thing, oh, be nice to sort of go and, and find a, a church in the what, what you know the rocky not the Rocky Mountains but you know the really high Sierra Nevadas and I, I looked at this church it was in Glendale beautiful big mountain range behind it I remember seeing the job description for the pastor there and it was just so long I just sort of thought what person could do all this you know and as I was sort of looking at that I'm thinking man that's that's a job description to grow into isn't it. <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, I've been thinking lately how, you know, as, as a sort of, you know, we've got a residual Christian faith in our country but day, you know, day in, day out, I just seem to have less and less sort of, less and less, um, what do you call it, less and less proof <laughs> that we were this Christian country. It just seems more and more. The, uh, the things that you hear, I just... Find myself getting really shocked sometimes, and and deeply saddened of, of what is the sort of new norm in Australia. Um, but I shouldn't be, and we shouldn't be, that we have these very um, aggressive, um, hateful things going on around us, and, and that's why I want to start this morning with just a before I really kick into Peter's Gospel, which we're looking at. Oh, you know, sorry, not Peter's Gospel, 1 Peter, Peter's first letter. Um, I just want to preface it by talking about the days in which we live in. The Bible does say, doesn't it, that we, you know, life isn't just sort of, the world isn't a meaningless sort of existence. It's, there's a, there's a, um, a cycle to things or there's a, a purpose to things and we're living in something called the last days, aren't we? We're living in the last days and it's a good reminder of, of the time in which God has allowed us to, to sort of be born on this planet. They're indeed called the last days, that time between Jesus' first coming, his, his death and his resurrection and as we've just sung, haven't we, I believe Jesus is coming again and we really believe that. As, as a Bible-believing church, we believe that it's the last days that Jesus has promised he's going to come at any time. Yet we're also told in the word of God that it's going to look pretty dark in these last days. And I just want to start with a, a reminder of the, verse, the verses from 2 Timothy. It's coming, yeah. I'll start it. It's, it's 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 3. Paul doesn't mince words here does he? He doesn't sort of say it might be like this. He says you can be certain that in the last days there will be some very hard times. People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, disobedient to their parents. They'll also be ungrateful, godless, heartless and hateful. As if that's not enough, their words will be cruel They will have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything that's good. They'll be sneaky, reckless and puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. Even though they will make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. 
I wouldn't want to be in, in, in government. Imagine leading people like this that are characterised by these qualities. This is, the, in a sense, the quality of people in the last days. Against this, against this backdrop of a very sort of selfish humanity, you know, Christ's people are supposed to be a different presence. They're not immune from this, but they're supposed to be a different presence in this world. Described this way. In Acts 2, Peter quotes the prophet Joel. God says this, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And Peter goes on to say, doesn't he, that if we repent, if we turn around and, and are forgiven of our sins, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So against this backdrop of a very willful world, we have the people of God filled with the Spirit of God. You know, in the Old Testament, when quite often when the, the prophets were giving their message, it wasn't just talking, was it? You, you might want to go and read the book of Ezekiel for some very colourful ways in which the prophets sort of let their message get across. But actually it was, it was actions as much as words. And that's very much how we can be prophetic people in these last days, not necessarily by giving sort of, you know, by, by the words we speak, but by the, the, the way in which we interact with the world. We can actually be very prophetic and the Holy Spirit can sort of work through us to show that by our actions we're acting differently to the world because we are different. And I think that's the thing that I'm, I'm sort of coming to terms with as, we try and, you know, as, as the church tries to interact with the world. The bottom line is in, if week in, week out, you are, and, and Steve mentioned it this morning, if you are really getting into God's word, if you are really seeking to be spiritually strong, it will make you different to a world that's not doing that, to a world that's not you know, just delighting in the word of God. It is going to make us different. And this is Peter's whole message. Even in that early church, he's saying, if you do that, if you, if you want to be the people of God, you are going to be different. No one knows this more than Peter because he's experienced it in his life, hasn't he? If we think about the Apostle Peter, he very much is characterised when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, he changed so much. And so Paul wants to sort of say, look, you are different people. You've been, you've been cleansed. You've been set apart. You are holy people. Be holy people. You are the people of God. What God wants to do in your midst, he wants to just, what he does in our midst, he wants to reach out to a world living in darkness. And, and the first thing he does, the first consequence of being God's chosen people is we should first of all, he says, the very first thing he says is that we should submit to all human authority over us. That's a hard call, isn't it? That is a super duper hard call. We shouldn't act or speak like the people around us when it comes to those in authority over us. We shouldn't do it because Peter says it and we've got to own it. We are not like everyone else. Something 
you know, the place that the people of God had in, in the world in these last days is a very prophetic place and that by our actions we can actually show that Jesus is coming again. So let's have a look at the next part of 1 Peter. Why isn't it working? Have we got it? Here we go. He starts, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, other translations say aliens, as aliens, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly amongst your unbelieving neighbours. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour and they will give honour to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he's appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honour those who do right. It is God's will that your honourable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered astray, wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. They're pretty hard words. If, you, if, if like, I don't know about when you heard those words, as I was reading those words, I was thinking about the current situation now, our political climate in the world. Were you doing that? As you, as you sort of think about the Trump situation, let's name the word Trump and just the, the absolute just vitriol and venom that's allowed to sort of be spoken by a politi- you know, against a politician, regardless of what he thinks of him. I just think, you know, the fact that people feel that they can just so openly speak so harshly and, and critically about him and, and personally just makes me read that and go, I don't think we're supposed to do that. As I read the word of God, I, I, have to, I feel myself repenting, asking, asking God for forgiveness for the times when I've found myself Critical instead of praying, you know, instead of trying to build up to tear down, no different from the world around me. They're challenging words, they're tough to hear, to honour and submit to decision makers. 
And so we want, this is what we want, don't we? We want this, the escape clause. The escape clause is provision in a contract which under specified conditions allows a party to withdraw from the agreement or change its conditions. So we want that, don't we? We want to say, that's what the word of God says, but what about this situation? Or surely in this situation you don't have to do that. Sure, the word of God might say that. It's great in theory, but it's not that simple in practice. Life's more complicated. Now, sometimes it's unwise to do what scripture says word for word, isn't it? We, we shouldn't just submit to authorities, particularly ones that are liars or thieves or, or idiots or bloodthirsty or evil. Surely not. But that's the exact environment that these words are written. Idiots, <laughs> you know, bloodthirsty people, corrupt people. The last days, Peter himself... We're going to look at the example of Peter. He was notoriously hot-headed. He was notorious for just, you know, just jumping in too quickly. You know, in Jesus' day, they, they had to put up with, you know, the, the, the people in those days, they were sick and tired. I mean, I, I see in our sort of culture, you know, how things are, but, but in a sense, it's still a great country, isn't it? It's still good, but th- this is like, this is decades and centuries. They're sick to death of the government they're under. They're sick to death of the corruption and, and, and the way in which good people are being slaughtered, the cruelty that exists. They're sick of that. And, and, and Jesus, if he's the Messiah, they thought, oh, he's going to save us. He's going to lead this rebellion where Israel is going to be great again. And so when Jesus went to the cross as he was, he was arrested, it's understandable that Peter would do this, isn't it? So Jesus is about to get arrested and it says, then Peter, who had a sword, he went into the garden of Gethsemane with a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? There's Peter doing something that's understandable. These these people who have come to arrest Jesus, this this honourable leader, this this wonderful servant, and Peter, no, you're not taking him, you know, whacker. You know? And, and we know in hindsight, don't we, that Jesus wasn't about restoring this earthly kingdom of Israel, that something greater was happening. There's another plan. Jesus had to die so that something astounding would happen. This, this act of surrender would bring real victory, victory. And of course, we know that it's the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that has made all the difference in that first church. It makes a difference almost immediately. And we see this with Peter in his life that when he goes up against the same authorities that wanted to kill Jesus, he's able to be sort of respectful and bold because the Spirit of God that's in him is allowing him to do all this. And so when we we get to Acts 4, verses 29 to 30, we've got this situation where they're threatening Peter and he's just very respectful. He's not, he doesn't want to yeah, he doesn't want to do what he did in the past and, and, and see God smite them. He says this, Lord, consider their threats. Enable the, your servants to speak your word with great boldness. This word of reconciliation, this word where, where God has worked to reconcile all people to him through Jesus. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Not stretch out your hand and destroy 
as I'm sure you know we would probably do if we were in a situation where we wanted to revenge. There's, there's honest, there's good people being hurt here. Stretch out your hand to smite them, Lord. No, stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders. The, the last days, Christians, are, are, they just want to see God working, don't they? They just want to see the power of God healing the land. Amen. I don't want to see you know, people in my neighbourhood or people in my country. I don't want to see them, um, you know, I don't want to see the wrath of God on this country. I want to see the hand of God, the compassion of God reaching them, healing them of their brokenness. I want to see signs and wonders as God shows them he's still all powerful. That's what I want to see and that's what Peter wanted to see. He didn't want to just trust that it's just this, you know, we, we can just you know, go against our leaders. What was the shift? Peter understood who he was. He finally understood it. You know, when he was walking with Jesus, he thought he did, but now he finally understood who he was or, or whose he was. And he describes it perfectly in this next verse, 1 Peter 2, verse 11. He says, Dear friends, I warn you, and this is himself, he's saying, I'm a temporary resident, I'm a foreigner. You know what I mean? I don't belong here. But you know, keep away from the worldly desires that war wage against your very souls. So when we, when we feel like that, all that anger and bitterness wants to come out, keep away from that, don't do that. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbours. We are different abstain from the sinful desires the war, wage war against your soul. All that anger and bitterness that wants to rob us. You know, we, we, we read the paper or we, we, we hear something and we just get so angry. We just think, no, it's not fair, you know, this is, this is terrible. Rather than just realising our place, how, how we should be. And it's natural. It's so natural to rebel against ineffectual or, or, or heavy-handed authority. It's so easy to criticise, isn't it? It's so easy to do that. And in the midst of it all, surely they're, they're good things to do, but it wasn't Jesus' way and it's not Peter's. He's saying, no, we're different. We should be in the world, Jesus says, but not of the world. We're going to be in the world. You know, we're not put on desert islands and just... You know, that's heaven. You know, that's, that's coming, that time when there'll be no more sickness, no more crying. But in the moment, he places us as his ambassadors, aliens in this world. So what does it mean to show faith in God to those around us, especially when they don't show faith? Well, Peter makes the important shift here from, from theory, where he talks about, you know, that the blood of God's cleansed you, you're, you're the, the cornerstone, or you know, he's the cornerstone, you're, you're the, the, the building blocks, you know, you're a chosen people. He actually gets practical now. This is the practical outworking of the people of God. This is, this is what it should look like as you live in this world. And he starts, as I said before, with human authorities. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to all human authority. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Our submission is an act of worship. Our submission to authorities is an act of worship to the God. It's saying, God, you're still on your throne regardless of what I see, regardless of what I hear. You're still on your throne. Submission. I didn't see submission there, you know. Like a leader is submits, 
can submit. It means to obey, be submissive, be willing to serve, be subject to, place yourselves under, respect human authority. Wow. Why? Well, submission to authority is first of all, it's a way of achieving God's will. It's the way God promises that he'll work. As we submit, God says, I'm in that. As tough as it might seem, as as hard as it might be for you to believe that your submission actually makes a difference, God's in it. And I think we need to understand that. As we're trying to to, to, submit to our leadership and honour our leadership, God's watching and God's able to honour that. He said, it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And earlier he said, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honourable behaviour. And I said that in the last days, godless people will abound and I cannot imagine what it must be like being in leadership. When you have, you know, I, I listed about, there was about 20 things there that they would look like. I can't imagine what it would be like to, to lead a population, a nation that is that, that, that characterised by these things that, that in a sense has no God, godliness but they're characterised by all these things. I think it would be an incredibly hard thing to do. So why, why should we just be like them? Why should we do that? Why, why should we be, be um, the same as people who, who in a sense fuel hatred, who try, you know, try and build up the, the, the rebellion and resistance? Why be like that? Why be the same as people who, in a sense who, who actually take pride in being godless? I think, you know, just that the social media is such a, a, a dangerous way of, of getting involved in that negative sort of, you know, just the, the chatter, the, the, the multitude that are just so full of criticism and hatred. Why be like that? That, that doesn't do me any good. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to get sucked into that. Sometimes I can, they, they make great arguments and you can sort of get sucked into it. But it's not building people up, is it? It's not building the leaders up. It's tearing down, making it harder. Peter says it's honourable lives and behaviour that will make the difference. Honourable honourable lives and honourable behaviour makes a difference. Bottom line is, leaders aren't perfect. You will not get a leader to do all those things. I think, you know, if you want them to be like that, then they've got to be 24-7 awake. <laughs> they've got to be able to multitask. <laughs> You know, it's, it's a difficult thing for, to have a perfect leader. Don't condemn a leader. Don't make it harder for a leader or for authorities. You see their imperfections as an opportunity for God to work. He has in the past. That's what we have to remember about our God. Is that he's, he's been around for a long time. Nothing takes our God by surprise. But he does keep his world going, doesn't he? The fact that we're here today shows that he's kept the world going and he can do it again. It's when we pray, if we pray, just trust God's listening. God wants to hear his people's heart for the nation. He wants to hear his people's heart for the community. He doesn't doesn't want us just to get so sucked into the negative sort of the negative wave of the world. He wants us to sort of trust that he's ultimately in control. 
if we sense you know, that leaders are doing things wrong, you know, we want to still honour them and honour them and pray for them. But, but as God's people, we'll work for change. We'll work for justice. That's scriptural too, isn't it? Honour the people, you know, but do it in a, in a God-honouring way. And more on that later. Well, next I want to say that in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, I think we'll go back, we must declare God's truth in that situation. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. You know, for, for the early Christians, it was a temptation. There was a temptation. If they said Caesar is Lord, life would be so much easier for them. If they just sort of basically threw away this whole idea as Christ is Lord, their life would be so much easier for them. But they, they understood they couldn't do that. They understood even when they did that, their lives would be at risk. It's risky to be the people of God. It is, you know, but, but ultimately... We're God's slaves. We, we cannot, in all consciousness, just sometimes say the things that people want us to say to be popular. Sometimes we have to understand we're God's slaves. We're still free, but God's slaves. It's more important to honour God sometimes than the emperor. You know, we're, we're ultimately, ultimately accountable to him alone. You know, when we're convicted that anything compromises our faith, for sure, We've got to be in the forefront of speaking against it and, and acting in a way that says, you know, that's not right. Regardless of whether views are, are, are viewed as, as sort of archaic, you know, old-fashioned or whatever, regardless of that, regardless of the consequences. You know, and I just really wanted to echo what Lil said uh, last Sunday morning. And she was talking about the whole engagement with, with social media and how we do that. She, she basically said, you know, we, 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 we shouldn't be writing one word in anger, one word in unforgiveness. Well, that's so, I don't know if anyone was here. Was, what a wise thing to say. Don't, if someone says something that, that sort of really offends you, before you write a word, you know, just, just allow yourselves to be forgiving Allow yourselves not to do anything in haste or anger. I thought that was so wise and, and just, just to, to sit on things rather than speak or write. And that's, I think, what it is to be God's slaves. You know? He wants to keep us to account for every word we say, every, every action we have. And Peter, Peter, in a sense, is saying, model Jesus, act like Jesus. And we, and we see this in verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God, honour the emperor. You know, those first, or the, the second two, love the family of believers, fear God. I think as, as the people of God, we agree with that, don't we? We, we, we want to love each other. We want to honour each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to honour God. We want to do those things. They're ticked off, aren't they? But show proper respect to everyone. Everyone's pretty inclusive, isn't it? Everyone's inclusive. And also that last word, so hard for us to read as, 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 as Westerners, you know, honour the emperor, honour your leader, honour the king, honour your politicians. You know, we tend to be the other way around. You know, I'll honour you, if you earn my respect first. First of all, you've got to show me you deserve my allegiance. But this is the other way around. It's, it's no, it's, it's not about just, just I'll decide who I'll honour. 
It's basically to honour God, I have to honour my leaders. They're tough words, aren't they? They're really tough words to read. I was at, uh, years ago, I was at a Hyde Park demonstration. Um, it, it was against detention of refugees and asylum seekers and it was, uh, it was a really interesting thing to be part of because we went there as Christians who just, you know, as, as I'd met several of these refugees and, and really could see these very downtrodden people very, it was heartbreaking to sort of to see that their lives were just, they'd already were hard before they got here. And when they're in out this beautiful country, this lucky country, they don't have access to any, anything and they're, they're put in detention and that saddened me as a Christian. And so we decided we'd go to one of these rallies. And I have to say it was, it was, um, it was an eye-opener. You know, walking down the middle of, it was during uh, Tony Abbott's reign, and, and it was just so interesting walking down Hyde, or what is it, um, George Street and some of those areas with, with this slogan going on or, or this, this sort of war cry going on, beep Abbott, beep Abbott, beep Abbott. It was just the whole, you know, thousands of people. I just thought, oh, I don't want to be yelling at it. That's, that's not why I'm here because I, I don't want to be putting down my leader. I'm here because I'm not anti-government. I'm here because I'm pro-refugees. I think that's the hard thing. As when we do find ourselves with leaders that aren't perfect, it's really it's not easy to sort of, you know, sort of go against what they're saying in, in a respectful way. I think it's easy to love someone or, or respect someone, isn't it? Who we agree with what they're doing. Easy to do that, but it's, it's when, when when they don't do things right as we define right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do that. Yet to truly honour, to truly respect them is a different story altogether. Says, no, I've got to actually honour God first and foremost. Peter's saying, don't worry about that situation. And, and earlier on he sort of says, they're all men. We're, we're like grass with a wither and, and then we're gone. But the word of God reigns forever. That's actually, doesn't matter what's going on. We can trust that God's in control And that's a different story, you know. It's not okay to make fun of, to, to slander, to humiliate a person. And that's encouraged in our world, isn't it? It's encouraged in a big way to really slander those. And, and, I, and I've got to say, it, it's, it must just be a really, I don't know how they do it. I, I was thinking, you know, just to say, for example, our Prime Minister, and, and I'm not even saying what I think about him, but just what a hard job. You know, when you've got just millions and millions of people in your own party and every decision that's made is criticised. I don't know how it keeps going. I really don't. It's just, what a gig. <laughs> so, so we're encouraged to act one way, but the Word of God encourages us to be different people. Peter knows there's different, you know, there's good and bad leaders. He says, honour the position, not the person. It's an act of worship to God. Now, verse 21 says, For God called you to do good. I don't think I've got it there. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. And here it is, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. And that's the bottom line, isn't it, for God's people. Jesus is their example. You want to see a great leader? Peter says, look to Jesus. And in a sense, we're his body. 
We're encouraged to, to display what he displayed. Humility, self-control, unconditional love, grace, all those things. I'm sure the vast majority of what we read on the board is shown in Jesus' day. In, in the last days we've got the same Holy Spirit. You know, as Jesus walked the earth, that same Holy Spirit allowed Jesus to be this sort of person. He allowed Jesus to do all these things. The Spirit that, in a sense, was, was passed on from, from Jesus to Peter and Paul and to us. It's the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that filled Peter and allowed him to be godly, fills us and allows us to be godly and submissive. Let's just hear, in closing, just, just exactly what sort of character Jesus had, what exactly the sort of person Jesus was. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. We're encouraged as an act of worship to honour those in authority. Not because they deserve it, because God's word commands it. It's not easy. We have the same Holy Spirit with us that has allowed generations and generations to do just that. They're not easy times to live in, in at all. I don't know if they're going to get easier, but at least we can trust that if we are people who really believe God's word, at its word, God is in control. Even if it might not look that way, God is in control. Let's pray. Lord, it's been a big day today as... as um, as I just, we see your word, as, as Steve preached this morning, he just talked about how, how alive your word, how active your word is. And yet tonight we look at this passage about, um, about you know, honouring those in leadership in, and, and, um, and in government, Lord God. And I'm sure there's very few of us here, Lord, that, that just um, you know, are unaware of the challenge ahead of us. To actually just honour those in leadership, Lord God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're you're in us and with us. And I do pray, Lord, as, as we seek to um, engage in, in in this world that's just so um, you know just so full of hatred and so full of um, bitterness and, and anger and um, rebelliousness and, and all the things we read about, Lord, that Lord, you you do. Um, you direct us to be different, to be in the world but not of the world, Lord God. And Lord, I, I know that many of us, it's, it's going to be a practical application here, Lord God, almost as soon as we click Facebook, Lord. We're just, we just, sometimes we're just so um, overwhelmed and aware of, 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 the, uh, of, of what we're up against, Lord God. I pray that, that in, in simple ways, we can honour you, God. We, we can actually, by our honourable behaviour, by our honourable actions and our honourable lives, Lord God, that we can just show that we're your people. 
Lord, I pray for our our schools, our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, every place that we find ourselves, Lord God. May may we be people whose words are characterised not by by criticism and, um, and, and negativity, but honour. Honour, Lord God. And we do pray for our leaders, Lord God, our, our politicians. Lord, we thank you that your word says that you want us to do that. You want us to pray for them. I pray for each and every one of us. We can do that. We can just pray for those in leadership as, as if, Lord, it's our act of worship to you, to trust no matter what's going on that you are in control. And Lord God, I, I want to pray and we want to pray for godly leaders, Lord, as we look at that board, we just think, man, if, we had, if our politicians were like that, what a country it could be. We pray for those in leadership, Lord, particularly those that, 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 that um, are believers. Just fill them with your spirit right now, Lord God. Give them wisdom. Give them you know, the, the, the capacity to be able to, to have these qualities that we, we spoke about, an ideal leader. And above all, Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus. We thank you for those words that Peter spoke, that he's our example. 